A couple stood together in a neonatal intensive care unit. Tears were streaming down their cheeks. They looked down at their infant child in the incubator. No one could tell them if their child would live through the night or not. They saw the tubes and the wires. They longed to touch and caress their infant child. But all they could do was reach through the little holes that were there and through thick gloves, touch the child. Not skin to skin as they wished, not heart to heart, not caressing and holding and loving that child, but in the most sterile way, through the incubator. Their hearts were breaking as their hearts went out to this tiny little life, struggling for each breath. One parent said to the other, I wonder if she knows we're here. I wonder if she knows how much we love her. I wonder if she knows how much we want her to be well, to be strong, to be healthy, to be happy. I wonder if she knows the dreams and the hopes we have for her for all of her life. The other parent clutched the hand of his spouse and said, how I wish we could just crawl inside her little body and snuggle up with her and tell her all of those things. They could not, but God could. When God looked at his prized creation, the human being, and said, I wonder if they know how much I love them. I wonder if they know how much I want to be with them. I wonder if they know the hopes and the dreams that I have for them. I wonder if they know how much I want them to be healthy and happy. And God, for an instant thought, if I could crawl inside their bodies and snuggle up with them, I would tell them all of that. And the Word became flesh. And the Word of God, the second person of the divine trinity, took on human flesh and walked in our midst to announce that very truth of how much God the Father loves us, has dreams for us, has hopes for us, wants us to be well and happy. And yet that message was opposed. There were those who were jealous of the message. There were those who would not accept it. There were those who so opposed that message that they were determined to put the word to death. At the Last Supper, we hear the testament of a dying man. Jesus, desperate in his last hours to complete the message of his mission, 
to tell us of the love of his Father, to tell us of the prayers of his Father for our goodness and well-being, puts in a concentrated moment that entire message in the words of the Last Supper. And then the marvelous genius of God is proven. For Jesus himself gives us a way by which he continues to crawl inside our little bodies and give us hope and mercy and strength and life and grace and health. This is my body, he said. Take this and eat it. This is my blood. Take this and drink it. And we drink the blood of Christ and take the body of Christ into our very selves. His soul to our soul. His body to our body. His grace to heal and strengthen and anoint us at every moment we come before him in the altar. The Last Supper is the testament of a dying man. When Jesus sat at table with his apostles, he knew who would betray him. John's Gospel tells us exactly that. He knew who would deny him. I don't even know who you're talking about, Peter said. Jesus knew that and foretold it. He knew who would run away from him when he needed them most in his moment of agony, his moment of suffering, his unjust trial. And yet he fed them. He washed their feet. Imagine the love of the God-made man kneeling before each of those and knowing what they would do to him that night, humbly washing their feet and kissing each foot. What could you or I do that is worse than the apostles did? I don't even know the man. Flee when he needs us most. Betray him with a kiss. And not stand with him in his deepest anguish and pain. Jesus knows your sins and mine. From before you were born, Jesus knew your every sin. And he chose with the father of life itself to knit you in your mother's womb just as you are and to give you grace and mercy and hope, to give you life. Knowing your sins and mine, Jesus washes not only our feet, or as Peter would say, but my hands and my head. Jesus washes your soul 
From the inside out, he crawls within you in his body and blood to give you that message of the Father who loves you, the Father who wants you to be happy in this life, the Father who wants to fill you with everything you need in this life to know his goodness and his grace and everything you need to be happy with him in heaven. This is the celebration of the Last Supper, the testament of a dying man who says, I will give my life for you. Father, I know their sins as you do. Take me and let them go free. Let me pay the price for their sins so that they need not carry the burden of their guilt and shame. Release them, Father, and take me. And so he did. We have so much for which to be grateful. A tiny voice called out in the pre-dawn darkness of winter's longest night when God crawled into weak, puny human flesh and said, I love you. And the word of God was born. From the beginning, the father knew this would happen. From the beginning, the father knew that hatred and jealousy and sin, that the selfishness of little humanity would bring his son, the word made flesh, to death. But the genius of God is that from this altar, the sacrifice of our redemption is replayed at every celebration of the Mass. And a new birth of goodness and holiness, of grace and mercy, is made each time when he says, this is my body, which is given up for you. My blood poured out for the forgiveness of your sins. And he who knows our sins chooses still to crawl inside our weak flesh his flesh becomes ours. His blood becomes ours. That the testament of a dying man will forever give us hope and life. Our sins put him to death. But his death paid the price for our sins. And this is not the end, but only the beginning.